The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. We welcome our online listeners. We have another exciting message that we want to deliver to you. Whether you're driving down the freeway or sitting in your living room, or maybe even playing this podcast to a small gathering or a large gathering, we welcome you. This is number 158 in our Identity Matters series. Now you heard me say we have over 800 Posted messages in our library. True. But this is 158 in our Identity Matters series. Now, of course, we do topics underneath that, and the topic we're on now is dealing with the millennial generation. Every unbeliever does not have the indwelling life of Jesus, stands in front of a mirror, and they think that they're seeing themselves. An unbeliever reflects the image of Satan. An indwelt believer is to reflect the image of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about this uh, millennial Jesus again. The millennial Jesus pushes for a refusal to be disciplined and to be a people of the word. So it all starts with this common sin of parents spoiling the child and sparing the child. Once the spoiled child syndrome has been established, the child will jump into the present culture that is inviting them into an all-about-me society, which indirectly sets the child up to serve Satan covertly and overtly in many cases. And Satan actually doesn't care which one it is. In fact, I think he prefers covertly. If you're sitting there listening, doesn't matter what country you're in, or if there's a translator translating this out, or if you're in America, or if you're in this room. If you are suffering with the spoiled child syndrome, the odds of you actually becoming a disciplined indwelt is next to impossible. It will take the power of God to bust through that spoiled child mentality. Because you will turn Jesus into a Democrat that works for you. The spoiled child generation, which is what we're in, the millennial generation must have a Democrat Jesus 
as in America, where we tell our president what to do. He works for us. So it forces our government to function in monarchy behind closed doors and tell the people on the news it's all about democracy. Liar, liar, pants on fire, someone's gonna burn. So we don't live in a country that speaks straightforward truth. Monarchy, truth. We have come up with a brand new language. It's called the politically correct language that keeps everyone calm. Of course lies keep you calm. Truth is not meant to be calm. It's meant to arouse you, to, to, to agitate you a little bit, to, to cause you to think through something. Whereas lies, it's kind of like, I'm not going to hurt your feelings, and I'll do my best not to let other people hurt your feelings either. So here we have it. A generation filled with, how dare you tell me what to do? Discipline. The Word of God? Which translation is the real one? Do you even know? You see, I don't know which translation is the authentic. Is it Geneva? Is it New American? Is it King James? Is it New King James? A lot of people don't even understand that the only original documents that are in existence today are not original documents, and they're held by the Catholic Church, which were rewritten from the originals that are now gone. So you see, how in the world do we discern out what the Word of God really is, and what truth really is? I think that might be why you have to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit upon salvation to discern that out. Everyone pretty much knows that listens to me that I have a horrid relationship with the NIV people, constantly resisting what they're coming up with. But there's stuff within the NIV that I can clearly extract as pure truth. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit. So you say, well, that's why I hang on to that translation. Well, what if your people, pastor, since 82% of the pastors in the world use NIV, 82%. Then all they have to do is change the translations and keep making it more liberal, democracy-oriented, and you'll never know how far you are away from the original line of the doctrines. Satan is a little more crafty than most people give him credit for. Here's our crisis. The relational crisis is where it starts. Have you ever tried to take a young person today and communicate with them in full honesty and truth 
and to have them stay engaged with you longer than two and a half minutes. 2.5. That's the attention span. Now, when I was a kid, it was 10 point something. You could hold the attention of a young person in my youth for 10 minutes. You take that all the way back to, let's just pick an age when the English language was what they call high English. Some of you still watch movies about the high English, how intellectual they were. And the words that they used seemed to be difficult to understand. They were not difficult to understand because it was the level of understanding during that time. So going from high English, which was early 1800s, to my generation, which was 10 minutes, to now 2.5, I've already lost 90 plus percent of my listeners. You can't make it past two and a half minutes. And that's why they tell me as a media designer that you cannot produce YouTube videos that are longer than five minutes for sure. But preferably within two to three minutes. The videos that I designed for us today are actually two videos. And they overlap each other. And they're 2.35 in length. I get it. They turn you off after two minutes or they fall asleep. Please don't fall asleep if you're going down the highway. So the question I have is, what is Generation Z going to be like? That's, that's when Alistair grows up. I can tell you because I've already been told. We will be a virtual reality culture. They already have the, the hologram phones done, completed. Where you hold your cell phone like this and you want to talk to grandma, and Skype turns into this hologram technology, and they will, and grandma appears on top of your phone. And you're talking to grandma. She's just this little cute little thing standing on your phone. Or whoever it is on the other end of the camera. And you see, if you don't upgrade the video, the visual, the animation, you're going to lose them. Because they're a cartoon generation. Why do we use cartoons on our slides? Because I get it. These are people who grew up with comic books. That was my generation. And then the comic books turned into animations, videos, through the form of games. Then we developed this addiction to games. Shannon, give me the worst time in your life and how many hours you would have played a game or games when you were in your youth. Okay, so 11 to 16 hours a day. 
That does seem alarming to you guys. Now I knew that up front, saw it coming, so I'm a little older than Shannon. And I realized this gaming addiction was a setup for something else. So I kept him out of our house. Outside of a year, I got addicted to Pac-Man, or what was his name? Nintendo. Nintendo. Someone gave us, they were trying to get rid of their addiction in their family. Guess who they gave the whole thing to? (laughs) Our family. And Abby and I really got addicted. Well, the Lord said, get rid of that, so we got rid of it. And I've been game-free since. I can't even play a game on my phone hardly without realizing stuff. Then I learned a little bit about technology and realized that they are literally stripping your phone of any kind of data they possibly can get that they can market you. And all of a sudden you see these games popping up on your websites. You see these games popping up in places you never thought they would know that you like that game. Then it went from game mentality into this millennial thinking, and that is cartoons, Superman movies, superheroes. Where did they come from? The comic books. Do you see the generational thing that's unfolding? And now there are children who attend these movies. They don't know if it's real or not. Welcome. To their world. Then you take a little drugs with that. Like the kid who overdosed on caffeine. Two weeks ago. That hit the news. And now they're starting to rethink. Maybe we should have government regulatory. Laws that are monitoring the caffeine. That our youth are taking. The poor kid was hallucinating. Where do these images come from? Or where do you think they came from? What you put in your mind stays in there. It doesn't ever come out. It goes to your casket with you and literally withers away with the rest of your body. Your brain doesn't go to heaven. So it's in there. Satan can call on it anytime he wants. That set them up for a new kind of generation where they don't want to sit around and talk because if they sit around and talk to grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa might start talking to them about the stuff they're involved with might not be so good. So the enemy has separated the generations and pastors, listen carefully, particularly you elders and deacons, listen very carefully. You did this. You did this when you formed separate teachers for each individual age group in your church. You separated the children from the wise ones. That is a 602 if you ask me. 292-2982, text me. It is the number one greatest error the church has ever done is separate the children from the wise ones. Why? Because they need to have cartoons back in the classroom. 
They need fancy videos. They're different. Really? You're dumbing them down. Because when they re-engage back into an adult uh, world, what you're going to find is these youth pastors who was used to smoking lights, and now they're senior pastors, and these senior pastors are constantly going the route of millennial media, and the truth spoken is gone. I was just told that by a mega pastor on a trip. He's trying to return to the original gospel and is thinking it might be impossible. And I agreed with him. I think they'll boot you out, sir. I think if you ever try to get the children to merge back in with the generation above them or two generations above them, they're going to boot you out. The only way Satan can control the millennial generation is to keep you big people out of it. So these grandpas are sitting around acting like dead people who are filled with ideas and thoughts and wanting to speak out against things, but they don't because they're supposed to stay quiet. It's none of their business. If you're younger than me, your business is my business. That's what a pastor is called to do, is to get into your business. We're never to separate our mentors and pastors and teachers from our business. Never! And if a pastor who is an elder of me in another country or another state speaks into my life, I shut up and listen carefully. Because God uses authority to release the gospel. This, my friends and family, is going bye-bye. No more spiritual authority. I am, as just shared with us statistic a couple weeks ago, I am my own boss. You can't tell me what to do. You're not my daddy. I got news for you, kid. You won't even let your own father tell you what to do. You are being set up to be an idiot. Someone who cannot process truth is an idiot. It's a good word to use in our, in our verbiage. They think they know the truth, but they cannot behold it. It's idiotic. It's idiotic. It's stupidity at its best. I know what's best for my own life. Yeah, I'll see if that works on the other side with your emergent pleasantness. There's nothing pleasant about Jesus Christ when he returns on the second coming with a drawn sword, fire in his eyes, and ready to destroy anyone who hurt the body, his bride. There's nothing pleasant about that. So as I preach today, I try to remember the balance of the two. His first coming and his second coming. And preachers should be expressing that type of strength from the pulpit.
So their communication is different, so we have to kind of go with both of them, of the posting type of communications, and at the same time, deal with the reality of our own generational language and ways of communicating. So millennials view the Bible in a detached format. So here's our statistics. When asked to identify words they associate with the Bible, Christian millennials are most likely to place the Bible within cultural uh, methodology, than to describe it in the terms of sacred or divine or absolute in regard to God being the one speaking. Their top five choices are story, methodology, symbolic, fairy tale, historical. And look at the percentages there. 50% of them say it's just a story. 38% it's just methodology or mythical. Symbolic, 36%. Fairy tale, 30%. Historical, 30%. So what we're having here is that this is just merely written by man. And that was the scripture we read from. Beware. It's very prophetic. So our millennial generation is viewing the Bible as written by Man, and craziness, as craziness is, science proves it. Paul would not deny the fact that he wrote it with his hand. But he would add on to that, that the hand moved because the Holy Spirit inspired him. No, since they don't relate to the indwelling life of Christ, that is idiotic to them. To have a preacher preaching literally the words of God coming from his mouth, that's idiotic. So they don't get it. So that's just another preacher's version. That's just Finney's way of getting excited about what used to be historical. That's how it works. Just 12% of the Christian millennials pick the word sacred. 8% said it's a revelation. 3% said it's infallible, which means it has no error to it. And 2% say it's inerrant. It's holy. It's chosen. It is literally listening, hearing the life of God in Christ Jesus, in you, if you're truly indwelt. So finally, the word is not for the me-me generation, and it's the millennial saying the Word of God is not for me. So if it's not for this generation, they can easily say, well, it's not for me, unless I'm of that 3%. So more than 6 in 10 Christian millennials have never even read their Bible, 62% say, but what they but what they but what do they think about those who do read and claim it to be the authoritative word of god well these are the people that, that that they actually alienate themselves from because they are 
of the absolute. That's what they're reacting to is the absoluteness of the word of God. So if you sound like that when you're talking, having communication with them, guess what they have to do to you? The same thing their statistics say they do the word of God. They alienate you. Yes, you have children that alienate you because of the word of God. And I say, oh well. You need to pray and do whatever it is that Christ asks you to do to set the stage for a relationship. But honestly, it takes them to re-engage in you, with you, in and through Christ to have a full communication. So if they're not indwelt by the life of Christ, they'll never have a good relationship with you. It'll be friendly. But he who is friends with the world is what? Enemy of God. So at best, you're playing with the edge of becoming an enemy with God. When you do all that you can not to have a hostile relationship with your children because you know they'll alienate you if you speak the truth. What a web we have made for ourselves in regard to dealing with our children and grandchildren. Here's our identity statement for today. Since it is statistically proven that members of the millennial generation tend to avoid relationship with the generation above them, this generation is losing out on the most valuable element in keeping the generations dependent on each other, mentorship. Secondly, since the Bible is no longer the absolute authoritative word of God, the identity thief has taken away the proof text that sustains belief in relationship with Christ and the believer. So if you do have the PDF, I would definitely encourage you to at least pray over the identity statement for today. The Bible is the physical proof of God. For God is the Word. It came to dwell among us so that we would behold His glory. The glory of the only, my phraseology, indwelling life of Jesus Christ. The Word of God lives inside the indwelt believer. If they burn all your Bibles, the Word of God lives in you. It's your proof text when you see it physically in front of you. It's the proof text. It's what bears witness what, with what already is. And that's why discernment is given to us as one of the very first manifestations is when you're reading something someone's calling a Bible... That's why these paraphrases that are now called Bible translations make me laugh. Because the phraseology that man uses does not have the sting anymore for salvation. So it's gone. We're not going to listen to mentors. 
And we're not going to listen to mentors in the Bible. So guess who gets to be God? Mimi. I'll decide what's truth. You're going to hell. You think like that. 602-292-2982. You will go to hell if you think you are God. Out of all those religions in the world today, if you believe your teacher has taught you you can be your own God, you're going to hell. And the only way to escape that destination is through Christ Jesus. You will have to be broken to become repentant. You have to become repentant in order to drop the guard. In order to drop the guard, Christ can't come into you. True repentance is an open door. There's no peeking through the door saying, who are you and what do you believe and why do you call yourself God? He won't negotiate with you. You're going to hell if you negotiate with the living God. It is simple. One, I have to die. Two, I have to be broken unto death. Three, I have to go to the cross with Jesus Christ, co-crucifixion. Four, I need to allow his life to possess my body through what he calls a born-again experience. Born again, not addition. Addition is millennial Jesus. Born again is the true Jesus. He will come and live inside you, Christ in you. He also brings his mind in with him. He's not brainless. He'll actually talk to you from inside out. He'll speak to you from inside out. He'll sing through you inside out. He will do everything his Father asks him to do in you. Then you will avoid going to hell. But if you have any other kind of Jesus going on in your life, you're going to hell. Father, we thank you for the blessed privilege of the straight gospel. And I know, Father God, that it will arouse the curiosity of some, hatred in others. But I know you can bust that down. If you've called them for this day to be your day of salvation for them, there's nothing going to stop it. So I pray for those people. I pray that they see the clear difference between serving a Jesus and actually being indwelt in the service of Jesus Christ in us, the real Jesus. Thank you for today. We thank you for the power of your word and the power of your spirit, the power of your life, in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.